0: to finish off John chapter 12 if you remember uh, last week uh, in John 12 uh, Jesus it it was six days before the Passover Uh, Jesus has turned his back on the Jewish population and said you know what you've seen the signs you've seen uh, the miracles I performed you've heard me preach you've seen the evidence that I am the Messiah and you rejected me. And so Jesus turns and he's going to spend his last week investing in his his apostles in in the in his in his disciples and then we're going to see him go to the cross and so the rest from chapter twelve on in the Gospel of John is that last week of his life and then there's a small portion at the end that talks about just before his ascension but. He, the, he's going to invest in his disciples. Now, if you knew today was your last day, who would you call? What words would what words would you give to your son? Right, right. What what are? Would, is there somebody you'd call and make peace with? Is there somebody that you would? You, you, your children. One of the I've shared before. One of the greatest honors I've ever had was when my father prayed his blessing over each one of us children, and then the grandchildren, and then the great grandchildren. What would you say? And so this is what we're going to hear from Jesus. Not only with what he's going to say, but what he's going to do. He's going to be an example to these guys, and he's going to set them up for to become leaders. Because unbeknownst to them, literally at this point, in hours, he's going to be gone. And they have to step up to be the leaders. You ever been there? You ever been there where where all of a sudden you went from being, you know, you're here, and all of a sudden you had to be the, the leader of everything? I experienced that at the police department. I was a captain at the police department, and uh, our chief resigned and gave one week's notice. And so we had a deputy chief, and uh, when they went to give him the position, he asked to be demoted back to officer, and so the, the, the city manager walked into my office and said, oh, by the way, you're now chief, assistant chief, and you still have to do your job. Luckily, it was only for a week. But I was like, what? I have to." I, I went from here to here. And that's what they're going to have to do. They have got to step up. Now, some of them are going to struggle. Peter's going to struggle big time. But God's also going to bless them and, and, and anoint them with the ability to go on. But he's got words for them. And he's also going to give them some examples of his life. On how they can do this. <coughs> now, <coughs> excuse me. Wow. Let me get that out of there. Um, as we finish off <coughs> John 12, remember that, that John is writing at about 90 AD. He's looking back over all, all that he's seen, and he's also looking back over what the other Gospels have written, and he's kind of filling in uh, some places. So when we come to 12, beginning in verse 37, he's making a little bit of a, uh, an author's sidebar. He's giving us a little information on what has just happened. Jesus has turned... Away from the Jewish leaders. And he's turned his eyes on on being the savior of the world. So look at John chapter 12 beginning verse 37. But though he had performed so many signs before him. They were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet which he wrote. Lord who has believed our report. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and he has hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes or perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. And these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke to him. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. For fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. And we'll just stop there for just a second. John is looking back and he says, Isaiah prophesied this more than 400 years before Jesus even showed up on the scene. And it seems like, okay, God doesn't want them to believe. But what context is he putting this in? If we go back to chapter 12, what did he just talk about? He said, I am the light of the world. And if you walk in the light, you will become sons of light. But what is the opposite of true? Of that? If you walk in darkness, you will not be able to see. What is he saying here? He's saying, if you take the light that I'm giving you, I'm the light of the world. I have given you all of the, I've illuminated the, the world to you. I've shown you the miracles of who I am as a Messiah. If you'll come towards that light, if you, you remember the, they always talk about that in the movie, right? Walk towards the light. Yeah. Yeah. If you'll go towards the light, you will receive more illumination. You'll see that. But if you walk away, what happens? You end up in darkness. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. He said, for those who have rejected me, it's getting darker and darker and darker because you're walking away. They've refused to repent. Now what does repent mean? Turn. Turn. That's right. Repent just doesn't mean I confess my sins. Repent means I quit walking this way and I start walking this way. And they don't want to repent. They, They refuse to confess him as... Lord. And so he says that you're in darkness. But did you see what he talked about? Why, the reason why? The reason why is they that they loved the approval of people rather than the approval of who? God. They wanted they wanted people to see who who they were, right? I'm I'm a Pharisee. I'm a I'm with the Sanhedrin. I have my perfect Sunday school attendance button right here. Do we do this? Oh yeah. We, yeah we we want we want people to see us and, and oh look look at this big check I gave. That that drives me nuts. You, you ever watch that when? Oh, we're going to, you know, somebody gives some money to to an organization, and they come out with this big six-foot check, right? You know, hey, look at what we did. You know, they got all the applause that they needed, right? Well, the sad thing is, is is God says, you know, as long as you walk towards me, I will certainly come towards you. But notice what Isaiah says in, in chapter 57. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on the high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And I want to stop there. Where does God dwell? Two places. In the high and holy place, but where else? In the heart of the contrite and the, those who have humbled themselves and turned. And what does he do? He revives. He revives the spirit of the lowly and revives the heart of the contrite. When we turn back to him, he kindles a fire. You ever been camping? And you go out and do some stuff, right? And you come back and the campfire's almost out right and so what do you do Throw a big log now usually you take little logs little sticks right you get some little sticks on there with that little ember that's left and then you blow on it a little bit you know you blow on it a little bit yeah you'll get your paper out and stuff. yeah but you blow on it and pretty soon you got it's rekindled into a big fire yeah you're you're shaking you're, you know how to do that don't you yeah rose does so you can build that fire But it rekindles in your life. And that's what he's saying. if If you will turn towards me, I will rekindle that in your heart. But the opposite is also true. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry for the spirit which grows faint before me and the breath of those whom I have made. If you walk away, I'm not going to drag you kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. That's not the way God works. God says, come. Right? If you read, read the last chapter of the book, over and over he says, come, come. If you're thirsty, come. Come to the living water. He invites you in, but you've got to walk towards him. If you decide to walk away, God's going to say, I'm here if you decide to turn around. But he will not always contend with man. They loved the approval of people rather than the approval of men. And there's a problem when you love the approval of man. And what is that problem? Right? Everybody wants the applause. You got your applause here on earth. What does God say? If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. Philippians says it this way, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth that that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, one of these days, those guys who wanted the approval of men and gave up the approval of God will bow on their knees. See, they didn't want to confess Jesus as Lord on this earth, but I guarantee you they will confess Jesus as Lord when they get to the throne of God and they have to stand at that point in what? In judgment. They stand in judgment. Let's look, at, let's look at what this looks like in John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. And Jesus cried out, He believes in me, does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me, sees the one who sent me. I have come as the light of the world, so that everyone who believes in me Will, will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my saying and does not keep them, I do not judge them, for I did not come to judge the world, but I, but to save the world. He who rejects me does, and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. He says, I came. Just God's number one desire is what? That the world might be saved. He says, we just saw, if I be lifted up, I will draw... All men unto me. His desire is for everyone to come to him. But if you don't, if you choose to reject him, there's a cost. And it says the word of God will judge everyone. The word of God. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge, but my word will judge everyone. Now I want you to look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 tells us about the judgment seat of Christ. This is after the the tribulation has taken place, after the hundred year reign of Christ has taken place, and He has brought forth the new heaven and the new earth. And I want you to see what it says. Revelation 20, 11-15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books. According to their deeds and the sea gave up the dead which was in it and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is not a very popular passage. This is talking about the unsaved. It says, heaven and earth has passed away. They have no place to be but in front of the throne of God. And he says, what? The books are open. And the first book that opened is what? The book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? What does that mean? Have you you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you you confessed him? Because he said, what? If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. We're not going to be in this scene. We will be in heaven. We won't have to watch this happen. This is for unbelievers only, but I want you to notice what happens. Every one of them stand, and they open up the book. Is your name there? Your name is not here. Then they open up the book of what you've done. Now I don't know what hell looks like. But this seems to indicate that there will be more severe judgment for some than others. Now what does that mean? I don't know because hell is always designated as a place of, of eternal torment. The other thing that it's known for is darkness. Darkness. And loneliness and solitude. If you'll if you look and see what the writings are, you'll see when people say, Oh, I want to go to hell with all my friends, you won't even know your friends are there. You will be alone in your own torment because God, I believe, because it says what? It says the other books are open and you'll be judged by your deeds. Now, what are those deeds? You had the opportunity to accept Jesus right here. This man came to your door. He knocked on your door and he said, do you want to know about Jesus? And you rejected him. And then there was another time when when you had this opportunity and I kept sending people and I kept sending people and you rejected me. You remember that for the rest of eternity. The judgment And it's called the lake of fire. The lake of fire. Where where you're sitting in loneliness and torment and the memory that you had the opportunity to know Jesus as your Savior and you rejected him. The word of God judges all those. Well, let's look on into chapter 13. I want you, this is, uh, as Jesus uh, starts the Last Supper, uh, he does something very amazing. Remember, he's been teaching them for three and a half years. And we come to chapter 13, and he's going to give them an example of how they should care for each other. Now, therefore, the Feast of Passover jesus knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of the world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end and during supper the devil already having put into the heart of judas iscariot the son of simon to betray him jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from god And was going back to God. Got up from supper. And laid aside his garments. And taking a towel. He girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin. And began to wash the disciples feet. To wipe them with the towel. And with that which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. And he said to him. Lord. Do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him. What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. But it's completely clean. And you are clean. But not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. And for this reason he said. Not all of you are clean. And we're going to stop there. Jesus is giving them an example. Now some, some denominations. Actually take washing his feet. As an ordinance. Just like we would do uh, communion. Communion. They would, every so often, they do washing of feet. Uh, But but most denominations don't. It's not something that we do on a regular basis because it's an example. And what is an example of? Servanthood. He said, I've been teaching you for three and a half years. I'm getting ready to leave. The last thing I'm going to do for you is I'm going to show you how to be a servant. Now, to understand the Jewish custom will help us because remember, they traveled mostly on foot. As a matter of fact, they had the had saying that uh, disciples followed in the dust of the rabbi. That was a saying that the Jewish people had. So, when you traveled, it was dirt roads, paths mostly. And the animals also use those paths. And so what happens if you aren't watching closely? Right? Oops! So, and they wore sandals. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever done a lot of walking, what happens to your feet? You get calluses. Right? They get rough looking. And, And so this was not a pretty job. Matter of fact, It was given to the lowliest slave in the household. When somebody would come to visit, the lowliest slave in the household would be the one to come and wash the feet. And what did Jesus do? He's the one that did it. He said, I want you to understand that you need to serve one another. Now one of the interesting pieces that happens, if you look over at some of the other Gospels, what had these guys been talking about just before this? Who's the greatest? Uh, Am I the greatest? Do I get to sit on the right hand when you get to heaven? Can I sit on the left hand? And Jesus is going, No, you need to be servants of one another. You don't get it. Serve one another. For thirty years, I've been a whitewater guide, and I teach. I teach new guides, and and uh, in the first part of June, I'm headed over to Deschutes for a few days to train new ones. And most of them are college kids. You know, I'm I'm forty years older than they are, and they look at Grandpa and go, "Right, yeah," but but the. The day I look forward to is always on Sunday, because on Sunday it's the end of training, and all of the trainers we get to wash the feet of those who have been in guide camp all week. The ones we've been yelling at, we've been no, come on, you can do this better. You know, we've been we've been pulling them out of the drink. You know, making them work really hard. And then we we sit and we wash their feet. And it's such an honor. But there's something I don't want you to miss in this. Jesus washed Judas' feet. Get it? What did the passage say? The devil had already been working in Judas's heart. He's already, he's already been and talked to the to the Pharisees and set the price. Jesus knew he was going to deny him, but he washed his feet. How many of us get caught up in, oh, so and so said something about me. So-and-so at the church said something, and I can't work with them anymore. I can't minister with them because they they said something bad about me. Or I disagree with what they believe on this. I want you to write down on a paper. When you get home, take a three-by-five card and write down, Jesus washed Judas' feet, and I want you to put it in your Bible. And the next time you get upset because somebody did something to you, I want you to read that. Jesus washed Judas' feet, knowing that he was going to betray him. And it's even going to get it's going to get better from here because Jesus is going to do one other thing that just showed he still loved Judas even though he knew what he was going to do. That's the kind of love Jesus calls us to. The kind of love that's hard. Jesus asks us to do hard things, doesn't he? You know, we like to, what's the golden rule? Do unto others what? Like you'd have them do unto you. Now that's a pretty easy rule to follow, isn't it? I, I'm, I want to be nice to myself. I want others to be nice to me too. That's, that's pretty easy. But what, and, and that's quoted in the book of Luke. But notice what Jesus said behind that. <clears throat> but I say to you, who here, love your, no, love your enemies. Whoa. What? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Wow. That's amazing love. That's God's love for us. Were we once an enemy of God? Yes, we were. Were we we those who hated God? Probably. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. He's asking us to do what he did. Show that love that is beyond what we can do ourselves. Because see, in ourselves, can we do this? Can we do this within our own selves? No. Because we get offended. We we want revenge, right? But God says, love them. Jesus washed Judah's feet. There's another thing I want you to get out of this. Learn to receive gracefully. Boy, is that hard. (laughs) See, because the Bible says what? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So we like to give, right? We give because we get blessed by it. And then somebody, and especially if you have the gift of giving, man, and you're used to, you know, and God just blesses you every time you turn around because he knows that he can trust you and and you have this gift of giving. And then all, all of a sudden somebody comes to you and says, hey, You know, God just told me to give this to you. God told me to bless you in this way. And what do you do? Oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that. You you know, that's, God's blessed me enough. What are you doing when you do that? You're stealing their blessing. God wants to bless them. Peter, and I love Peter. He's, I mean, I'm so much like him, I stick my foot in my mouth and then I then I you know try to swallow the whole thing. You know? And Peter just he's like, oh, you won't wash me. Oh, okay, then wash my whole body. It's like, you don't get it, Peter. You need, we need to learn to receive gracefully. When somebody comes to you and says, hey. I want to bless you with this. And, this. and it may not be a material thing. It may be somebody that shows up and says, hey, I want to mow your lawn. I want to weed your garden. I want." Shirley's going, please, please, right? I, I want to, just let me do this for you. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of that young family now back in El Paso, Texas. I just pray that that God's just going to inundate them with people that will come and say, "Hey, let me take care of the kids. We'll get the kids to school. We'll get dinner on the table, and while they're there, we'll do we'll do two or three loads of laundry because everybody knows if you got three little kids, you got laundry all over the place. Let me shine their shoes. Whatever it is, let me." Let me come alongside you and do the practical things that you can't even. Because most of us will say, "Well, if you need anything, just call me." But your mind is so wrapped up in grief that you don't know what to ask for. And sometimes we just need to step in and do, and then we just need to be grateful, res, gracefully receiving what is given. Well, we're let's move on to uh, to twelve through twenty. So when he had washed their feet and taken up the garments and reclined at the table again, he said, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, Nor is the one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones which I have chosen. But it is the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted his heel against me. And from now on I'm telling you before it comes to pass. So that when it does occur, you will believe that I am he. Truly, truly. I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Amen. You know, he, he what's he saying here? He says, you know, you guys are you guys are are over here arguing about who's the greatest. But I'm as your as your Lord and your teacher have just showed you that you need to be the servant to one another. You see the reality is at the foot of the cross none of us are higher than the other. You see when I when, when we come to Jesus we're all saved by grace. And it doesn't matter what your title is going to be. You see we have elders at this church and I'm one of those elders. I just happen to be the one who gets the privilege of, of preaching every Sunday. But all the elders are level and I got news for you we're also on the same level as you are. Because we're all believers in Jesus Christ. We just have different jobs to do. We have different gifts that God uses in us. Nobody's bigger than anybody else. My, my pastor that was, I was under for 23 years, Pastor Donnie, used to say this. Here at Eastside... No one is big and no one is little. We're all medium. That's a good, good thing to think about. I don't care whether you've been, you've been a believer for 60 years or 60 minutes. We're all equal at the cross. Now some of us, you know, some of us need to kind of take on the traits of the other, right? Because when you're a new believer, you're like going, whoa! I may not know much, but I want to tell everybody about it. And some of us who have been around for a long time, well, I know a whole lot, but they don't do a whole lot of sharing. We're all equal. We're all equal in the body of Christ. No one's big, no one's little, we're all medium. And that's what he's telling these guys. He says, I'm your master and I washed your feet. You guys need to do the same. Learn to serve one another. And God will bless you for that. Well, let's go on and let's look at 21 to the end of the chapter. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who will betray me, that one of you will betray me. And the disciples began looking at one another and and at a loss to know which one he was speaking. And there reclining on Jesus' bosom was one of his disciples whom he loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, tell us who who it is whom he is speaking And he, John, leaning back into the Jesus bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus then answered, that one, the one in whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, notice that, after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Now no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing that because Judas had the money box that Jesus was saying to him, Buy things that you have in, that we have in need of the feast or else that he would give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Once again, we see Judas. Now, to understand this this part of the story, we need to understand Jewish custom. Because you would think, you know, Jesus said to John, the one who I dip the bread in and give into the oil and spices and give it to him, he's the one who's going to betray me. So you would have thought, didn't anybody watch that happen? It was Judas! Judas! You know, this is not hard to figure out, but you have to understand the Jewish custom. At at a dinner, when somebody tore off the first piece of bread and dipped it in the oil and the herbs, he gave it to the most loved one. Who did he give it to? Judas. Judas. He gave it to Judas. And notice what? And then Satan entered into his heart. Up to that point Jesus was praying Judas you don't have to do this. Judas I don't want to lose you. Judas I love you, Judas. You are the most loved at the table. That's how much Jesus loved the man who would betray him. And when Judas surrendered his heart to Satan, Jesus just said, you go. Whatsoever you do, do quickly. And he watched Judas walk out the door of the upper room. And he knew the next time he would see him Judas would kiss him on the cheek with the kiss of death. And then Judas turns, Jesus turns to his other disciples. And he says, What? Love. One another. By this you will know. The world will know that you love me. If you love. One another. See we like easy love. We like to be able to. Love those who look like us. Smell like us. Act like us. And that's easy. That's easy. The hard love is to love the ones who screw up and mess up and betray us. Jesus said, the one in whom I dip the bread in and give it to. It's the one that's going to betray me. The one who is the most loved at the table. Oh, I'm so glad that that one day Jesus said, Ben, I love you so much that I'm willing to die on a cross for you.